0: the welcome. I'm just looking down and check this. Yeah, we're on. Fine. Um, Thank you for the welcome. Thank you particularly for the comments about nervousness. I'm not sure which of us is more nervous. (laughs) I always come feeling nervous whenever I'm approaching sharing what God has said. Just feeling it's important. It's him. It's his word. It's his message for us today. So Let's pray again. You can't pray enough, can we? Let's pray. Father, particularly looking around the world at the moment, thinking of Ukraine, thank you that we can meet together in peace, in safety. We don't have to look over our shoulders. We don't have to worry about a knock at the door. We don't have to worry about a rocket hitting the building. Father, we want to thank you that we can come and meet you together. But Father, we also want to pray that we would not take it any less seriously because it is safe. Father, we still want to beg of you that you will open our hearts and our minds to hear what you want to say to us. That we would meet with you through this time. Father, yes, take my preparation, but get rid of anything that's not of you, and whatever I say that you don't need people to hear, let it just drift out of their minds, but what you do want them to hear, let it dig deep, and Father, help us to change and become more like you because of it. Help us to be your children. So thank you for that and rejoice in it and take the responsibility of it. So open us up to you at this time. Amen. We're always being told to do things, particularly in the last couple of years with COVID. We've been told, do this, don't do that, wash your hands, don't touch people. Keep space, wash your hands again, don't go near people, wash your hands again. And I don't know how that makes you feel. I don't know whether it's just me and my family, but to a large extent, when someone says, do this, my instant reaction is, no, don't want to. Particularly when it's something inside me. You know these songs like, be happy? Well, okay, I want to be happy. How do I do that? Um, be happy. Okay. I'll try really hard to be happy. It doesn't work. Or my favorite in this, relax. The moment you've told me to relax, you've told me there's something to be worried about. So I stress. I mean, vaccinations are a part of our life these days. And also coming to a certain age, the doctors seem to want to take lots of my blood. Having moved overseas, we had to have lots of inoculations. And I have to say then, I knew there was a risk it was gonna hurt. So the moment I came, it was, this might hurt. So of course it did hurt. Over the years, I've learned to relax. And actually, surprisingly, the last few times I've had an injection, it's not hurt at all. And it's reinforced. You've got this word, the idea for the year, being thankful. Being told to be thankful, how does that make you feel? Is your reaction no? Or is it how? I want to do this, but how do I do it? In some ways, I think we find it very difficult to do things. I know what is right. Does that mean I do it? Hmm, less than I'd like. We've just read Psalm 100, because I asked Richard to. And I think it would be useful to ask, why is this psalm relevant to us? So, the title. Now, a comment about titles, and coming from a translation background, I've had to look into these. Often, as we read through our Bibles, you see a section heading, and that's not in the text. That's something the translators added to help you find the place, get a rough idea of what the passage is, help understanding. This isn't one of them. This is in the text, it's what the writer originally wrote. And in the NIV, we have a psalm for giving grateful praise. In the original, it's much shorter than that. It's just a psalm for thanking. Problem is, that doesn't sound very good in English, so you get this, which communicates the message. But have in the back of the mind, the psalmist wrote this psalm to help us thank. So we're gonna address this psalm in three parts, which I've lost. I've lost it in my notes, oh well. Who, who is this psalm addressed to? What, what does the psalmist asks us to do? And how? So we're gonna spend a bit of time looking at who, actually very little at what, and most of the time at how. At it's assuming I get things right. So who? Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. The psalmist is addressing all the earth. Nobody should feel excluded. Nobody can say they're not invited to thank God. But he continues in verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Coming from a Jewish background, this just screams to me, temple. He's picturing coming up to Jerusalem, coming into the outer gate, into the outer court, into the next gate, into the inner court, to come close to God to worship him. But notably, only God's people were allowed into the inner courts. Wait a minute, psalmist, I'm going to raise an objection here. You've started with all the earth. And now you're using language which says just God's people. Which is it? What's going on here? Well, I think an an earlier illustration might be helpful. I want you to picture the scene. (coughs) There's a whole city that's afraid Very topical, I planned this before I knew what was gonna happen on the world stage. Everyone is afraid of Israel and their God. They've heard what he's done, they've heard about the drying up of the Red Sea so the Israelites could flee on dry land. They heard about the Egyptian army being wiped out by the sea returning. They've heard what God did to Sihon, the king of the Amorites, and Og, the king of Bashan, wiping out those people, giving Israelites their land. The whole city is quaking in fear, expecting to be wiped out. But one woman, in the spite of that fear, chose a different approach. She chose to trust she threw in her lot with the people of israel she threw herself on the god of israel the lord almighty her name we remember as rahab and she could come into the courts of the lord she was accepted as one of God's people. She's praised in James as recognition of her righteousness. You can see it in James 2.25. She even is in the genealogy of Jesus, if you look in Matthew 1, verse 5. Here is somebody who was one of all the earth, she came to be one of God's people in God's community and she's like many of us in our backgrounds and contexts all the earth but now one of God's people so who anyone can come but to really be part of it, to be really have this psalm relevant for you, you've got to have joined God's people. If you're s- sitting here now, but standing earlier, seeing all these people singing, worshipping a God they can't see, and feeling it, and honouring God, and thinking, what are these nutters up to? It only makes sense if you're on the inside, If you're on the outside looking in, the psalmist would say, I'm inviting you, but this isn't gonna make sense unless you join God's community. So that's who. Now what? What does the psalmist invite God's community to do? So we're gonna look very briefly at this. Should be on the screen behind me, great. i'm being really unfair i'm not nodding to her i'm just letting her run them so he tells us to shout for joy to the lord in verse one to worship the lord with gladness to come before him with joyful songs to enter with thanksgiving and praise to give thanks and praise we're not really going to unpack these you can look at them later think about them i just want to note one thing how we're supposed to do it first one two and verses one and two we're supposed to do it with joy with gladness joyful these aren't things we can force they aren't things that come by force of our will by choice they have to come from within they have to come from what we believe, what we understand, what we know. So how do we do that? We're going to be looking, this is primarily in verses 3 and 5, but do keep the Bible, your Bibles open and look at, so you can look at the context and everything. <coughs> the last song we sang was Blessed Be Your Name. And I think this might be helpful in thinking about what, might make it difficult for us to be thankful. And if we know what makes it difficult, we might find out what makes it easier. So verse three of Blessed Be Your Name, says, when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. In some ways, when we're living like this, we don't need this psalm. It's easy to be thankful. We just stand and go, oh, I love this sunshine. But was it as easy to sing the next verse? On the road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Do we find it as easy then to thank? I was reflecting on this this morning as well, reading a news article about Ukraine. Surprise, surprise. And one of the things that was commenting was about how people are telling each other where they can find food, which shops have bread, and things. And there was just a couple of lines, which I should have written down, but didn't realise I was going to use them. But it said roughly like, we're helping each other, we're working together. Those who can cook are cooking. Those who... And serve are serving, and just those lines just struck me. This is the body of Christ, writ large in life. And how did they learn it? How did it come out really strongly? It was in the suffering. It's in the difficulty. Assuming we're still on the same. Line. Good. <laughs> how do we learn to be thankful in the suffering, though? Let's see what the psalmist has to say. Verse 3. Know that the Lord is God. Do you know that the Lord is God? It's something we say very easily yes to. But I don't mean, do you sense it? Or do you feel it? Or do you hope it? But do you know it? Do you know it? So that if your life depended on it, it wouldn't even be a question. It would make an incredible difference in our lives if we really knew this was true. If we could depend on it, if it ruled our lives. Because it was a foundation. Why? Well, the psalmist continues, it is he who made us and we are his. If he made us, he knows what's good for us. He designed us, he put us together. And we are his. It's not just that he made us and then sent us out into this horrible world and we could find our own path we are still his and even more than that we are his people it's not just that i can say i am god's it's that we here as culver church are his together working together and even more than that we are the sheep of his pasture A shepherd cares for his sheep. It's not that he has these sheep and they're nice assets and he'll let them go out, and if one or two get eaten by wolves, it doesn't matter. A shepherd cares for his sheep, and we should know that he will care for us. We are the sheep of his pasture. It's only by knowing that the Lord is God that we can really shout for joy or worship the Lord with gladness. Particularly in the difficult circumstances. It's only in having that knowledge, that security, that confidence that we can. And the psalmist wants us to know that it's not just the only way, but it's the way to do it. It's how we can. And particularly when the going gets tough. Why? Well, we might think of a nice verse in the New Testament, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. It's really reassuring, it's encouraging. I remember looking back on one of our trips back to Asia. we just bought a whole load, two years or three years, I can't remember how long, it's worth of homeschooling materials for our older two kids. We hadn't had anything before because we hadn't been homeschooling, and now we had to get the whole curriculum for two years plus all our clothes and everything else. So our homeschooling materials went in our hand luggage, because that's not weighed normally. And normally, the rule is, if you could put it in the overhead locker yourself, you're fine. We had these nice big bags that were just the right size for carry-on luggage. So our main luggage, we could take all the other things we needed for two years back in country we arrived at the airport and started queuing, and there was a rather longer queue than normal. And as we started getting nearer the front, we saw at every check-in desk for this flight, which was ours, hand luggage was being weighed. And everyone whose hand luggage was even slightly over was being told, empty it or leave it behind. And there were people scrabbling and emptying things out and rearranging things. and everyone's the same empty it or throw it away empty it or leave it behind and we got to the desk rather nervously as you can imagine and i handed over our tickets and our passports and the check-in lady started checking through it and barked at me where's your return ticket and my response was we don't have one we don't need one no where's your return ticket no, I got a work visa, we don't need a return ticket. No, no, where's your return ticket? Look, I've got a work visa, my family have dependency visas, we don't need a return ticket. And she took our passports and took our boarding passes and stormed off and went to talk to her supervisor. And we heard from my dad, who was standing nearby, sending us off, that the supervisor took one look at our passports and said, they don't need a return ticket, just give them their tickets and go. And she stormed back to us, printed off the boarding passes, gave us the boarding passes, gave us our tickets, gave us our passports, and never weighed our hand luggage. (laughs) 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 And there we were going, This is difficult. And yet God used it for the good of those who love us. And yeah, it's still encouraging today. But equally, we might think of another passage. Again in Romans, Romans 5, 30 verse 3. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering. Mm. Because we know that sufferings produce perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I don't know about your experience, But my experience is, most of my growth has happened in difficult times, in times of suffering. And yes, at the time, I look at it and go, I don't like this. But looking back, I can give thanks, and I've learned over time a bit more. great at it to see the difficulties and to give thanks we got so used to there being problems overseas that we developed a nice phrase this is a great opportunity to grow in grace it's taking those difficulties and looking and saying god what are you doing But what's the psalmist say let's come back to what he said for the lord is good his love endures forever his faithfulness continues through all generations we're not going to say that much about him being good or this his love endures forever they're true we need to be slightly careful in our thinking just because he's god doesn't mean that he's necessarily good. We can imagine a God who just created the world, or a God who's just self-interested, who doesn't care about us, who'd like worship for him. Very much the God that the Romans worshipped, the whole plethora of gods, all fighting for themselves, interested in their own well-being, not really interested in the well-being of their peasant followers. But that's not our God. Our God, the Lord of the universe, is good, affirms the psalmist. And being God doesn't make him necessarily loving. We can imagine the God of the blind watchmaker, so liked by a lot of atheists who want to dismiss God as irrelevant. But our God is not disinterested, he's not distant. He's close and loving and caring. So the psalmist makes this explicit because it's not something we can just assume, but it is something we need to know. And why does it matter? Well, again, I'd like you to picture the scene. There's a man coming towards you with a knife. I'm guessing there's a... The context makes a huge amount of difference. If you're walking down the street, then you're possibly looking for exits and ways to run away. If you're in an operating theatre and he's a surgeon, it's totally different. So, in the same way, we need to understand that God is good and God is loving because how we see what happens to us is conditioned by that. If we know he's good, if we know he's loving, if we know he's in control because he's God, then we can give thanks for the sufferings because we know it's for our good or the good of the community and to honour him. And finally, the psalmist says he's faithful through all generations. Why is this important? Well, it's all very well to know that he loved some people in the past and he was good to them in the past. But we need to know that our God is good now. That our God is loving now. So the psalmist reminds us that he's faithful through all generations this faithfulness is the same thing that called Abraham and promised he would be a blessing to the nations and then gave him a son many years later that faithfulness continued it's the same faithfulness that was seen by Joseph as he had visions of what was going to happen, and then was sold into slavery, rose to a nice high rank and then thrown into jail, and then ends up as ruler effectively of Egypt so that Israel would have a safe haven during the famine. It's the same faithfulness that brought Israel out of Egypt from slavery. The same faithfulness that kept them safe through the Red Sea and wiped out the Egyptian army. It's the same faithfulness that brought them to Rahab and the faithfulness that let her throw in her lot with God and become part of God's community. It's the same faithfulness that promised through Jeremiah to Israel that after they had turned away from him so many times, he was going to send them into exile. But even before he did so, he told them that he was going to bring them back after 70 years. And he told them that it was for their own good. You can read in Jeremiah 29, that verse that so many people like to take out of context. Because out of context it's so encouraging for i know the plans i have for you plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future the context is and i'm going to send you into exile but that is for your good it's that faithfulness we can depend on it's the faithfulness That brought Jesus to earth so that we could know God, so that we could be forgiven. It's the same faithfulness that took Jesus to the cross and raised him from the dead afterwards. It's that same faithfulness that took us through the airport check in by not having a return ticket and making. The check-in lady irritated. (laughs) It's that same faithfulness that we can depend on today to know that God is in control, that God is God, that he is loving and caring and good. And it's that that means we can be thankful. In all circumstances when the Sun is shining or whether we're walking down the road and everyone else is in glorious sunshine and there's this rain cloud just pouring on us we can be thankful because we know God is doing it and allowing it for our good we can be thankful not by force of our will not by our decision but because we know it's good. This isn't putting on a fake smile when someone's just given you a present that you really hate. This is somebody giving you something you've always needed and you know them so well and know that they know you so well that you can trust that it's great, that it's good, and you can just say thank you. Let's pray. Father, (coughs) we want to thank you that you are God, king of the universe, creator of everything, We want to thank you that we can call you Father. That just as you created us, if we've given our lives to you, so we can also call you our Father. That we are yours. That we are the sheep of your pasture, cared for, loved, treasured. Father, we want to thank you for all those times in our lives when you've done things to help us see your faithfulness, to see your goodness, to see your love. Father, remind us of these things. Help us to notice them. Help us to remember them that they may become like a well flowing up within us that bursts forth into a fountain of joy, that bursts forth and creates a river of thankfulness. Father, thank you that you have done all of this for us and that we can trust you. Amen. So if we've got time, I'd like us to divide up into groups and spend a few minutes just thinking about times you can remember where you have seen God's love, so that we can remember them, we can treasure them, we can collect them as a community to encourage each other, to encourage ourselves. I don't know about you you're probably all far better at this than I am but I am dreadful for God doing something fantastic and me going God that was amazing and then a day later I've completely forgotten about it and it's only looking back and often with the help of Celine and my wife do I remember the good things so let's try and just spend a few minutes And Richard will say how many and call it a halt to it. I'm being cruel. Um, Just sharing together things we can remember to encourage each other, to encourage ourselves.